You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 91. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! And the place we are going to in a few days is impossible to pronounce. So <laughs> no, we, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like to, to to thank our listener Bob, no further name, who is trying to set us straight here because it's it's really really hard to understand, and I'll try to understand it. There's a city called uh, you know spelled W R O C L with a dash A W, and it's really pronounced according to him V R O. Space S W A F V. So I mean, I appreciate the, the the help, but they are Poland. You are not making this easy for us. Uh, but we will have a great time in Wrocław in a few days. Can't wait. Wrocław. Wrocław. I have actually, uh, I, you know, you shouldn't uh, believe anyone. So I looked it up, and this is what it sounds like. Wrocław. Wrocław. I can hear a T in there. Yeah. I I thought it's it says Wrocław. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, there's a dash on the middle of the the L. That's the issue here. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I I don't know. A, anyway, I I'm sure we can make a good thing of this actually running around at the conference trying to get everybody to pronounce this correctly. I think we will get <laughs> more pronunciations than we have people on the conference. But uh, thanks again Bob. We, we appreciate the help. Yeah, we we really do appreciate that. And uh yeah, that just gave me an idea of uh, of trying to have Susan pronounce all the places that we're going to be visiting during Ooh. the, the about Ooh, that'll, time that'll tour. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. This is the <laughs> About time tour that you yeah. will be going yeah, with yeah, Susan yeah. and Mark. That'll yeah. be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they are already in Europe yes. doing the beginning of the tour, which is the Scandinavian countries, right? Yes, absolutely. There was a, a live stream on, on Facebook uh, the other day from Oslo. I, mm-hmm. I missed it. I haven't had time to go back and look at it. And then there will be uh, Stockholm uh, and Copenhagen and Malmo before they travel down to Wrocław. No, they actually <laughs> no, they're traveling to Prague first, and then okay, they'll take yeah. the Skepti bus from there to Wrocław, so, so you, which is you... which is not Prague anyway. It's called Praha. Oh Jesus! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh yeah. But um, but Pontus, you're gonna see them in Malmo then before yes, 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 the yes, con- yes, yes. conference. Yes, it'll That's be fantastic. Yes, which exciting. is not, which is not called Malmo. It's called Mal- Malmö. <laughs> oh, let's not let's not go there. Oh boy! Oh, I'm gonna be enjoying this on the on the tour. That's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> all right, but I love this about Europe. Mm. All these different languages, all these different names. Oh, mm. it's so beautiful. Oh, oh, by the way, I just came back from the Baltic states, mm. and Good. it was a freaking long journey. Did you know that that Poland has no motorways whatsoever. I mean, they do, but you cannot use them. <laughs> what, uh, what, what are they there for? Uh, I don't know. 
just uh, showing them to the public or something. Well, are they and closed? Or why do you mean? What do you mean you can't use them? Yeah, there are some uh, motorways, but they are closed or partly closed. And there are some motorways that are being built right now, and they disrupt traffic completely. Aha, aha. So we had to drive through Poland uh, with an average speed of about forty kilometers per hour. Mm. Wow. No, that and, was a and pain. And Poland is a big country, so that probably took you a long <laughs> time. Country. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we were just tearing our hair off. Never mind. I'm well, back home. I always say, cards against humanity helps on a long journeys. <laughs> oh yeah. Cannot mm. go wrong. And another one I've discovered recently called exploding kittens. That's also pretty cool. Yeah, exploding I've kittens. About, I've heard about it's, that. It's it's supposed sounds to be a... terrible though. Yeah. Oh, it's really really fun. Okay. <laughs> When you cross I, Poland, I, I do like uh, Cards Against Humanity. It's wonderful, but I wouldn't play it with a with a group of tourists. No, I mean not with elderly people that I'm traveling with. Don't you want to push the boundaries of what's of what's acceptable? <laughs> with, uh, you know, with a I bunch did. of strangers. You know, it was uh, when I started talking about the Smolensk incident, uh, where um, you probably remember that uh, that Kaczynski, the yeah, president, uh, yeah. yeah, died, and and ninety five others. And uh, there are uh, conspiracy theories blaming it all on the then prime minister, currently chairman of the European Council, Donald Tusk. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned his name and I mentioned that uh, now they are trying to blame it all on him and uh, and accusing the, him of uh, organizing a, um, that accident. So it's, it wasn't an accident. It was an inside job. And uh, yeah. What 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 the problem with him is that he's a liberal. <laughs> yeah. The moment I mentioned that, someone uh, jotted it down and uh, sent it to the office that I'm reporting you. Mm-hmm. I'm talking politics on the bus, Ooh. which I shouldn't oh. be doing. Oh no! And you got into trouble. Oh. No, shit. I didn't. It's oh, just. Oh, you didn't. Uh, know. Okay. Yeah, no, it's yeah. just it's ridiculous. But yeah. Uh, I usually I usually usually try, try, try to refrain from uh, political comments. Um, because I'm not, I'm not making any political comments if I if I can help it because uh, because it's not my job when I'm I'm traveling. My job is to provide information, but sometimes providing information includes yeah. political kind of information. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, when I got home, one of the exciting the most exciting things that happened in the last couple of days was it doesn't have anything to do it has much to do with europe because there were european agencies and european companies working in that project it was a cassini mission at um saturn Mm. yeah and the grand finale yeah wow it was exciting i i first um heard of cassini mission uh where after hearing a talk by caroline porker but she um she's so passionate about it and i thought what is it all about so i, I looked it up and uh, some of the images they, they produced of Saturn they were just unbelievable yeah um the most incredible and awe-inspiring if you ever wanted to be inspired by something you cannot like that. be not inspired I I don't know when whenever I I hear stuff about that and and when I was a kid a school kid I was very much interested in space science and and astronomy and uh, that that was when I started uh, high school that was when it was launched in 1997 and I I I remember it being a huge event and and everyone was really anticipating a lot and uh, yeah 
it it turned out to be a real success of 20 years it's a 20 it was a 20 year mission and what's fascinating is that they they decided to do do some brilliant science at the end while getting rid of the actual the actual space probe because what the problem could have been is that it it, it is just left there without any fuel and and it's just drifting, it could easily end up in one of those moons of uh, Saturn's, resulting in contamination from Earth with uh, mm. some bacteria or anything that was, was taken from Earth. So yeah. uh, that was a very considerate thing to do. Yeah, and they got a lot of science out of the last hours oh, as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So it oh, was yeah. not just that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, and there was a live feed and, and it was amazing. And there are lots of European companies and European agencies involved in the project, in the, in, in the making of the project. Oh, yeah. And um, it has even less to do with, with Europe, but Voyager 1, <laughs> it's 40 years since it was launched. 40 years. Yeah, it's the furthest spacecraft or man-made object ever 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 <laughs> <laughs> and now it will just keep on going and keep on going and yeah yeah you know probably it's... nobody will ever see it but uh, if <laughs> if somebody picks it up it would be great in yeah. a couple of million years and you know it's uh, it's about 140 astronomical units from from uh, from us now uh from from yeah. the sun so that's mm. uh wow so it just keeps going. Okay, Voyager One, keep going, and it it still communicates with us. That's that's yep. the amazing I, st- I, thing about it. Yeah, but I hear internet is shite up there. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a, the, the connection speed is very poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very poor. It's you know, but it's a four. It's not even dial-up modem. It's, poor, it's, no. a, it's more than forty-year-old <laughs> technology. It's it's a nineteen seventies oh, technology. Yeah, it's still going. Okay, right. so um. Yeah, enough of, of, of our enthusiasm about science for now and uh, space exploration, because it's amazing, but still. Uh, we have a show to do, and um, we should start with uh, our regular first segment, which is This Week in Skepticism. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So, Yelena, please. In the week of the release of our episode, uh, on the 23rd of September 1939, Sigmund Freud died. And uh, he was a Austrian neurologist and the founder of, of psychoanalysis. Very famous mm-hmm. uh, in his time and actually in our time for a very, very long time. He, he was seen as a beacon <laughs> of this um, groundbreaking research in psychoanalysis. However, that's not what I want to talk today about uh, in connection with Sigmund Freud. I want to talk about uh, the way how all his teachings and all his uh, research and all his science turned out to be completely and utterly wrong. Um, There was something actually I picked up on when I was researching him. um, And this was uh, an interesting bit of information. He believed that uh, cocaine was a miracle drug. And after publishing an article in one of the leading newspapers back in the day, uh, a lot of people took on this habit. You know, they basically became drug addicts, cocaine drug Uh addicts, after reading his article. And he has been uh, criticized for it later on. After the whole generation, all of a sudden, mm, I can imagine. you know, taking this cocaine for, for all sorts of ailments because he uh, believed that it cured lots of different diseases and he's been prosecuted for, uh, for it at the time. And of course, now we know that cocaine is a very dangerous drug uh, that leads to a lot of nasty things. So kids don't do drugs. Um, 
<laughs> or at least don't buy them become a star and you get it for free and they give it to you for free yes that's the message of bill yeah uh, good old bill. um it's a reference to a love actually movie if somebody wants yeah, to know sorry for the comment um that's okay but that's just one snippet of what uh, he believed in um but actually his uh, legacy is a very shaky one uh freud has for the most part fallen completely out of favor in academia virtually no institution in any discipline would dare to use him as a credible source um and in 1996 psychological science reached the conclusion that uh, there is literally nothing to be said scientifically or therapeutically to the advantage of the entire freudian system or any of its components dogmas. <laughs> and as a research paradigm that's pretty much dead, many of uh, Freud's mythologies, techniques and conclusions have been put into question. And uh, moreover, his theories have actually been proven damaging and even dangerous to certain uh, parts of the population. So his perspective on female sexuality and homosexuality um, are, are uh, revealed, causing many feminists to refer to him uh, by a different kind of F word. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and he, he was he was obsessed with sex. Absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, and this all this penis envy, palaver, and nonsense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some people still like to use it, but I I, th I think it's the most ridiculous excuse. And um, Freud was truly sort of in a class of his uh, his own, and arguably no other notable figure in history was so fantastically wrong about <laughs> nearly every important thing he had to say, you know, on, on the issue. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was a good uh, thing for your uh, really wrong side. Yeah, yeah, it would have yeah, um, been, but now, now you ruined it totally. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, you're allowed to then hand out your own prices. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fine. yeah. Uh, this is definitely uh, one deserving of the, the really wrong. Uh, but luckily for him, academics have been and still are infinitely creative in their efforts to uh, whitewash his errors. <laughs> uh, even uh, as um, lay readers grow increasingly dumbfounded by the entire mess. So he's had lots of criticism. and But the good thing is, I guess, uh, this example is showing the science in in its best so he has explored certain things he proposed certain theories and of course he, a lot of people followed him but as the science progressed as people learned more they've uh, obviously debunked a lot of it um, or as, as it turned out most of it and uh, he became this <laughs> other example of what not to do <laughs> um, so yeah. there we go mm -hmm. yeah long live science only thing you can say, it took a while oh, yeah. for, for, for science did. to, to it debunk did, it. It did, but um, yeah. I've, I've heard somewhere before, I can't remember how the saying goes, it doesn't take long for to spread the lie or misinformation, but it takes a long time to debunk it. So. Yeah. But it's not, not only that, but it, um, the methods. So you had to work bit by bit uh, in, in debunking all that, and that is quite difficult because the, the psychological research back then especially uh had a huge issue with uh with how to do experimental science so it's not it was not easy because what how, how could you do it and to be honest i think he truly believed in what he you know preached in a way uh in his senses i don't think he on purpose mm. made it up uh, he wanted to be a scientist uh, first and foremost he said as much he um views himself as a scientist 
but it just was our wrong way to go about it. Yeah, but it's amazing how it filtered down to different fields like education. Some people, some very very interesting reformist ideas came about based on Freudian psychology. And in fact, one of my favorite educators of all time, um, who was called Alexander Sutherland Neal, he was a Freudian guy. He was uh, when when you start reading his uh, his books and articles, he was obsessed with the Freudian uh, ideas. <laughs> and, but <laughs> but he still managed to put together a brilliant a brilliant school, which is called Summerhill. And it was the first ever democratic, fully democratic school in the UK. And it still goes on. It's still, it's, it's still in operation. And it's amazing. Hmm. But now there is, there is much more of a scientifically sound uh, psychological basis of what they do. Hmm. But it, it proves very nicely that democracy works. But his ideas of, of how to deal with uh, problems of children based on Freudian teachings... Uh, we're just wrong. And when when you read his book, you you spot it right away. That oh, oh that's too much. That's too much of Freud. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of other things still make sense. What what is difficult is to weed out the the bullshit. Yeah. Oh, Sigmund Freud. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Elena. I never thought I'd be talking about him. On the show. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Thanks. Thanks Surprise. for bringing him along. All right. That means that we are ready to move on to our news items. Yes, it's been a while, but now it's time again for the world to end. So oh. we, we've seen that lately in the British press, The Sun, The Express, Daily Mail, they've reported all over the place uh, on the last few days about uh, new prediction of the end of the world on 23rd of September. So oh. that is actually during the gala cruise in the European Skeptics Congress, folks. So we're going to go in style. We're going to yeah. go with a bang, not with a whimper. That will be <laughs> fantastically fun. And all of us together. So <laughs> all of us what together. better way <laughs> to go than with a bunch of skeptics? I think so. One would think that <laughs> this, think so. you know, gathering so many skeptics in one place would bring about the end of the world. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's, that's not how they, they, they reckon this. This is based on instead on a Bible passage in Revelation, mm. passage 12, <laughs> 1 and 2. And it goes like this. And a great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun. How does that work? With the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars, she was pregnant and she was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Mm. Okay. So I don't know how that begins to about the end of the world, but I, there's something about the dragon as well, who's going to eat the baby once it's born, etc. Okay. And now this, has been, this passage has been linked to that the sun, the moon and Jupiter is in Virgo while Mercury, Venus and Mars are in Leo. So it's basically astrology mixed with some bi bi biblical cherry picking and then also some numerology to boot to get to the right place and the right date. Because why not? And then some people also threw in Nibiru, which is this legendary, famous, infamous planet X or planet 10, sometimes called, which, which somehow is around... And will crash with us, even though nobody has ever seen it. Oh, it's an invisible planet that will crash. Well, it will come out of nowhere. 
Okay. Uh, there are different uh, theories. Maybe it's on the other side of the of the sun all the time, and it suddenly will just come out and peekaboo, and then smash right into us. That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, as long as it's quick and painless, I'm down with that. Now, we'll be on the Gala cruise, so we will have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, We're it, going it's, with a smile on our face. Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> although, to be honest with you, I don't know if that's just because... Like, I'm a pessimist all of a sudden. But um, <laughs> I come kind of more and more on the side of people who say that the, the end of the world is near by mm. looking, judging by what's going on on the planet, you know, in terms of the climate change and the, uh, the natural disasters and stuff like that. So, yeah. not because of some invisible and planet. And now the end is near. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to sing that on the Gala Cruise? We've got to. 2030, yeah. yeah. If I get asked, get them I will. <laughs> yeah. We will, we will not. We, we will wink. not. Uh, yeah. All right. Don't, don't ask him. Don't ask him. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was it about that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It never gets old, does it? <laughs> no. Apparently yeah. not. But if you want to prevent the, the end of the world, um, I think where you want to start is uh, prevent science from going wrong. And one of those, the, the, the ways of doing that is um, finding out uh, who's been treating science uh, badly. This is what happened to a certain researcher called Milena Penkova at the University of Copenhagen. Uh, she was found to have uh, covered up a couple of misconducts uh, during her uh, PhD thesis uh, work. She actually forged experiments hmm. as part of her thesis because, uh, I don't know, so uh, at first she handed in the thesis and then it turned out that some of the experiments had not been carried out. So the University of Copenhagen uh, refused to give her the doctoral degree. So she tried again. And then when there was even a, a city court hearing about that and there was... Even a nine-month a nine suspended sentence handed to her, which is unbelievable. Uh, so she appealed that ruling and, uh, and another court dismissed the charges. But now there is enough evidence for the University of Copenhagen that uh, they could revoke her doctoral degree that she finally uh, managed to uh, obtain. But uh, now it's gone because of the, the obvious misconduct. And uh, science should not work with uh, fabricated data and forged experiments. So uh, when someone mistreats science that, that badly, they don't deserve a doctoral degree. Yeah, this was the, the rationale behind uh, the decision. Mm -hmm. The decision was made by the Academic Council of uh, the Faculty of Health and Medical Sciences. No, it's good that they, they catch these things, but yeah. mm -hmm. it's it's an increasing problem because the pressure to pub publicize is so so high, and you want your doctoral uh, a degree, and and uh, you know the pressure is if you're not publishing anything, then you're nobody in science. So exactly. it, is a, it is a problem. Yeah. So people. Should... There is even an expression uh, for that that is uh, publish or perish. Yeah, exactly. And it, it really works like that, unfortunately. And uh, there's still no better way of, of measuring how science works. But uh, but fabricating data is not among the the actions that should be tolerated in science. Of course not. No. So well done, the University of Copenhagen, for uh, keeping science clean. 
Um, now over to Netherlands. And what Netherlands want are for the CRISPR gene-edited crops be exempt from Europe's GMO laws. Now, that was a rabbit hole I went down into when looking up this article uh, because I wanted to know what CRISPR is and it's a new way to modify DNA. Um, and it's a very exciting new way to modify DNA, cheaper way, faster way, and but it also has some unpredictable consequences. For those who want to uh, listen to a great um, a podcast called Radio Lab, they have an episode on CRISPR uh, editing techniques and they they actually explain it really nicely and uh, they end the show saying that uh, it might lead uh, to uh, <laughs> modifying pigs uh, that can fly but anyway we we're not going to go into that uh, area uh, for now uh, for now we're talking about modifying plants and the way that crispr editing technique works it's just like a, a sort of chopping and cutting a dna to make sure that you get rid of uh, unwanted uh, things like diseases in certain plants. So the Netherlands believes that the new plant breeding technique should not come up, come under the GMO legislation as they are safe um, as traditional breeding. And uh, it also insisted that a, a discussion on the issue should be launched soon, even before the EU court rules on the issue. This new plant breeding technique focuses um, on developing the new seed traits within um, given species through uh, genetic engineering. And um, th to those who oppose their views, uh, they um, saying that it's not actually introducing um, a foreign DNA to the plants. Uh, it's using the existing DNA. So um, very exciting. And watch this space because I think it'll be huge. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting that they take this uh, approach because EU has been very hostile towards any mm -hmm. kind of GM modification in the past. But so, correct me if I'm wrong, they, yeah. they only were opposed to the uh, GMO modifications in the past because it, it introduces uh, foreign species into the... No, they haven't specified that. They've said oh, okay. any kind of genetic modification e should kind. not okay. be, be allowed. So, mm. so uh, we'll see what, this ha what the EU says about this yeah. uh, request. And it's very interesting. I know it's not to do with the plants, but they're now talking about using this technology to uh, edit human cells and try to eradicate things like cancer. But that poses, uh, poses a different question in terms of modification yeah. of human cells and what that can then mean for evolution and the, uh, the next generation. No, I think, I think yeah, I think gen genetic modification is just a tool and that tool, you can use that for a number of different things. And to say that anything that's done with, just because you use that tool, it's, you shouldn't allow it because it's so different. You can't... You can't you can't condemn a, a tool that way. It depends on how you use it and what you use it for. That could be, you know, regulated and criticized or debated. But, you know, the tool is mm -hmm. just a tool. Yeah. Hmm. In my opinion. Yeah. It's never a good idea to uh, throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. And that's, that's what happens when you just outright ban things like genetic modification in general. Or when you start spreading misinformation and uh, fake news. It's fake news time again. You know why? Yeah. Because no. in Germany... Because... Because in <laughs> Germany, there is a very important date. That's the last day of the European Skeptics Congress. That happens to be the date of the elections. Ooh. The federal elections in Germany. Mm. Yeah. So, everyone's afraid that uh, false news, misinformation and, and uh, false items... Um, will be spread around the internet. So, yeah. what ha what will happen 
is um, a couple of different organizations teamed up and uh, started something that is called hashtag Valcheck17. Val means election in German. So Valcheck17 will be the hashtag and it, it, it is a team that is funded and supported by Google News Labs and Facebook. And uh, they recruited a couple of journalists and uh, they joined the German fact-checking organization called Corrective.org. And that is a member of the International Fact-Checking Network that we talked about many, 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 many um, episodes ago. Yeah, so what will happen? They will monitor um, traffic on the internet and they will use a couple of uh, tools and a combination of those tools, uh, some of them being Newswhip, uh, CrowdTangle and Trendalyzer, uh, along with uh, Google Trends. And those will reveal content that is being shared on the internet. And uh, they will analyze the content, uh, which is, which is the, the most important part of their work. And whenever they, they find something either provided by those um, tools or on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit and and the like, they will determine whether it's based on facts and they, they do a regular fact-checking and they will send it off to the different news outlets that, that will reveal those um, to be not factual. Uh, different newsrooms uh, uh, will will get a daily newsletter published by uh, by Valcheck Seventeen. So this is a very innovative uh, kind of uh, approach to to tackling false information and fake news in uh, anticipation of um, the election day and uh, what goes on there. Let, let ho- let's hope it it works. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Pr- produces good results. Yeah, we've um, we've talked about this a couple of times on different episodes, and uh, the Germans seem to be taking v- this issue very seriously, and uh, they have every reason to do so. If you think about it, because because politics can be stirred by false information and 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 fake news. Brexit. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna trump you oh, here. Oh yeah, the, the, the 300 million pounds that people will save. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from yeah, yeah. It was quite funny. I was listening to um, comedian politics show uh, the other week, and they were talking about how uh, Boris Johnson now denies that he said anything about saving 300 million, and it actually was all the buses' fault because the the advertisement was on the buses. <laughs> Blame, okay. the Blame the buses. Blame the buses. Definitely. <laughs> all right. We have some more fake news now from Sweden this time. Good. <laughs> good. It's not good. Good, yeah, yeah. It concerns Sweden, but it comes from Alex Jones uh, from the Infowar site in the US, but it's then been picked up by Nigel Farage. Uh, the, the, the news that is spread is that Swedish police have stopped investigating rape crime due to the recent immigration. Mm-hmm. That's what Alex Jones came up with, and that's what Nigel Farage is, is um, you know, referring to as fact. Uh, well, that's just bullshit, of course. It didn't stop Nigel Farage, though, and uh, he's, he has been tweeting about it for, uh, for, for the last couple of days or last week. 
Well, listeners may recall that we had an interview with Bethania Palmer from Snopes. That was on episode 70. She is a reporter at Snopes.com. She uh, published an analysis now about this news item uh, and explained why it's not really true and why both Alex Jones and Idol Farage are batshit wrong. In short, what, what, what is true? Uh, yes, organized crime has gone up in Sweden. So has rape statistics. But it's not really connected at all to the immigration wave in, in 2015, which the, uh, the, these guys are claiming. This trend goes back further uh, than that. That's not linked to refugees at all. Uh, and it's a very good piece. You should look up Bethania Palma's article on Snopes and read the full thing. It's good. And we will link to it. Mm, nice. I would like to bring in a new topic. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about fake news. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. because we haven't talked about it for about <laughs> okay. five minutes. Okay. So uh, apparently, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there is a new book out uh, written by uh, two German people, Lars Broder Keil and Sven Felix Kellerhoff. And uh, the title of the book is "Fake News Machen Geschichte" or "Fake News Making History." So it's in German. Yeah, unfortunately, it's in German. But um, that sounds very exciting. Um, And uh, they list different rumors and false reports in the 20th and 21st century that uh, changed uh, the course of history somehow. And uh, there there are examples from the Cold War, apparently. And there is one uh, from the Nazi era, which is uh, called the Alpine Fortress. I don't know if you've heard about that. Okay, Alpenfestung, or the Alpine Redoubt. It was a supposed World War II fortress planned by Heinrich Himmler in uh, November 1943. But it actually never was built but still it didn't stop the allied forces intelligence to spread the information that it it, it actually exists <laughs> yeah in real life it was actually built on the moon I <laughs> yeah. <Right>? wasn't it <laughs> so yeah and it it only after the nuremberg trial uh was it revealed that it's it it, it never had been mm. built so, uh, yeah, it's funny. But the Allied forces were absolutely positive. They still bombed it, yeah. Based on their intelligence, yeah, yeah, yeah that they had to bomb it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if this book is full of these examples, it must be a very exciting read. So I do recommend everyone. If, if someone uh, has read it, um, we have a lot of German listeners. If you could write a review or um, just a recommendation, a, b- a bit more detailed recommendation, uh, don't hesitate to contact us. And I also hope it's got the um, biggest fake news of all in that book. Mm. The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> that's changed the history. Come on, guys. Okay. And that's as fake as any news, really. Um, that's anyway. really your pet topic, isn't it? your pet hate let's now go to italy and in italy um some good development uh in regards to gmos again uh when the european union court ruled uh, in favor of an italian activist farmer who has uh, defied his nation's laws by planting genetically modified corn 
Uh-huh. Uh, so Italy has prosecuted Giorgio Fidinato for cultivating the corn on his land, citing concerns that the crops could endanger human health. But the European Court of Justice ruled that the member state, such as Italy, does not have the right to ban GM crops, given that there is no scientific reasons for doing so. Yay! Science! Um, <laughs> yeah, it noted that the European Commission in 1998 authorized the use of the specific maize seeds Fidinanto planted and finding no reasons to believe that the product would have any adverse effect on human health or the environment. Um, and that's a very great example of science at work and also of the court following the science rather than um, widespread panic about GMOs. Science! Good. Yeah. Nice. And you started uh, by saying, let's go to Italy. I am very soon. Ooh, good for you. Ooh, Chica fest. Yeah. I love Italy. Everybody should And you know what, what's going to happen? When I'm, I'm uh, done with Chica fest in Cesena, I'm coming back home for only a couple of days and then I'm going back down to Rome uh, for, for work. Huh. And I'm going to spend about a month in Italy for work. You just love your pizza, I don't do, you? I do, and my pasta as well. That's how you get fat. <laughs> okay, I needed a hint because I didn't know how to do okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm an expert yeah, on that, sorry. so yeah. Please take my advice. Eat a lot of pasta okay. and bread and uh, pizza. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. Okay, guys, thanks very much for the news items. Mm-hmm. And... If we are all ready, let's move on to uh, one of everyone's favorite segments, Really Wrong. Yeah. Or, as we call it today, Really Right. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, well, you'll see. Uh, Who is, this is a question for you guys, who is giving Avocado a bad name? Wolf. Wolf, absolutely. David Avocado Wolf, American Californian... Uh, guru not job who's self, <laughs> self, self-help, self-proclaimed self-help guru they call them now yeah, never yeah, heard yeah. of him so, no, no. So have you he... have you never <laughs> have you never seen any pro- profound quotes on the internet by wolf avocado mm. i'm afraid not <laughs> they're very deep. i somehow managed to avoid them okay they're very deep they're so deep up, on, up until now i'm okay. sure you haven't yeah uh, he talks about raw food but also uh, that's fine i guess but it's not the claims he makes about it, but raw food, well, eat raw food if you want to. Uh, but he also claimed, for instance, that gravity is a toxin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that most people, they, they suffer from pillow addiction. <laughs> pillow addiction is that you have to have a... You, you, you're addicted to the idea that you have to have a pillow when you sleep. Uh-huh. But that makes the head so high above the ground so the heart can't really pump the blood to your brain. Mm. Mm. Right. I, 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 does it doesn't explain how it works when you stand right. up. Right. Okay. And he quotes for as a you know this is just a detail about him but he says that bat, bats and possums uh, uh, are the only mammals that don't get arthritis and this is due to the fact that they sleep uh, hanging upside down. So he has a lot of these very scientific explanations for his position. And they can fly so they can defy gravity, which is a toxin. Oh, that's Oop. good. He, did, he didn't he did even make that connection. Not that I know, but that would be great. Uh, he idiot. must be right idiot. then. He must be right. <laughs> yeah. So he made, this guy, 
David Avocado Wolf makes his living uh, uh, selling all kinds of supplements and stuff, and he's also traveling around the globe giving talks. Uh, uh, he has uh, like uh, 11 million followers on Facebook, and he's big online presence. How is this going to turn into really right? <laughs> I'm getting to that. <laughs> this is a good question. There is. Yes, because you can fight this guy. He was going to um, go to an annual event in Helsinki that's called the Biohacker Summit 2017. And they had invited him as a speaker. And biohacking, I think, is a topic that can be very prone to pseudoscience. Uh, it uh, self is described on this, the, their website there as the art and science of optimizing and maximizing your well-being and performance with biological and technological tools. So you can use technic- technical tools, but when you get to the biological things, I guess thing guys like uh, the Avocado Man can, can get in there. Uh, they invited him, as I said, as one of the speakers this year, and this caught the eye of one Mr. Pauli Ohukainen. And I'm trying to pronounce this. He's a Finnish guy. Uh, a skeptical blog- blogger in Finland. He had, uh, his blog is in Finnish, so I couldn't read a lot of that. But it translates to healthy skepticism in, in translated from Swedish from, from Finnish to, to English. So his blog is finished. <laughs> he contacted the organizers and in no subtle language uh, told them and the language was Finnish, yeah told them that he, what he thought about inviting uh, David Wolf and uh, as far as I understand he he doesn't have a big following Pauli I would just say Pauli because I can't really pronounce his last name uh, he has about uh, 1900 followers on Twitter but his blog post uh, caught on and created such a big pushback that only one day after uh, the blog post the organizers issued the following statement the organizer committee of the Biohacker Summit 2017 has revi- revisited David Avocado Wolf's involvement as a speaker. They go on, new information has surfaced in our investigation about David Wolf's background and has changed our stance regarding his suitability for inclusion as a speaker in the conference. In this process, we have taken into account the feedback we have received from our valued biohacker community. As a result, we have decided to remove David Wolf from the list of speakers. Yay! Nice. So there will be no no avocado nonsense in Finland during this event. And well done. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. After this ordeal, Pauli uh, published a new blog in English this time to say a little bit more about this. And I will recommend the listeners to read it. Uh, uh, we will include the link to that blog post. It just shows... That anyone with a little commitment can accomplish good skeptical activism. So Pauli Ohukainen gets today's prize for being really right. Yay! Congratulations! That's really inspiring, actually. That's great. It is. It is indeed. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's an inspiration for us all. Amazing. Yeah. One one thing I... I, Just a sign. Why did he choose avocado? I mean, David Wolfe. I would go if I was. I would go with bananas. <laughs> David Bananas Wolf would be much better. And then he could also team up with Ray Comfort, and they can write a book together. I would. Uh, that's. <sighs> oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. And thanks very much for sharing that with us. And uh, I'd like to encourage our listeners to share 
similar inspiring stories with us. Oh, please do. And uh, get in touch if, if you know something that we don't, that is going on out there. Yes, and you can get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. Um, you can also like us on Facebook and send us direct message through there. Or you can go on our website, theesp.eu, and complete uh, a form there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter handle is at theespodcast underscore eu. And uh, just spread the word, really. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the... To the website, theesp.eu, click on the events in Europe page where you will see everything that's going on. It's uh, really very encouraging and inspiring, again, to see how much skeptical activism, just in terms of meetings, that are, are, that's going on all the time. And you are also very welcome to click on the donate page and help us a little bit uh, with some euros to get to keep the show going. It would be much appreciated. Yes, indeed. And uh, now that you mentioned uh, events, this is our last episode before the great event of the European Skeptics Congress in Wrocław. Mm -hmm. And after that, I'm going to get a bit of a skeptical overdose, I think. But I'm really looking forward to that (laughs) because I'm I'm joining Susan Gerbic, Mark Edward and uh, Lyubomir Baburov on uh, the, the About Time Tour. That will uh, stretch from Rotswaff through Göttingen and Heidelberg and Frankfurt, uh, not in that order, uh, then Switzerland, uh, Zurich, and finishing in not oh not not finishing in Cesena for for Chikapfest. Moving on to um, Slovenia and Hungary. Mm, um, right. And I understand that she will be flying out from Hungary to. Bulgaria and Madrid as well. So she's absolutely crazy. <laughs> she meaning Susan Gerbic. Susan Gerbic, yes, yes, oh. yes, yes. And if you would like to help our uh, little tour of um, skeptical networking across Europe, on fundly.com you should look for uh, the About Time Tour 2017 and uh, there you can donate uh very very easily it's it's a it's a two-click process so it would be very much appreciated if you could help us uh make this happen but since we're gonna be at the european skeptics congress uh, the next weekend the next episode the upcoming episode might not be a full episode but uh, we're gonna try to record a couple of short interviews of people around there and release it in time for the the next episode to come out. So uh, stay tuned and and uh, hope to meet a lot of you, dear listeners, at the European Skeptics Congress. But that means that uh, we are approaching the end of this episode, and I'd like you, Yelena, to help us close the show with a very nice quote. And I do have one from Albert Einstein. I use him quite often because he is just um, a constant inspiration. And he's, he's, he said a lot of good things, basically. Yeah. And he said, uh, one thing I have learned in a long life, that all of our science measured against reality is primitive and childlike. And yet it is the most precious thing we have. Mm. Yeah. 
Well said. Well said. I mean, it, science is hard. It's not uh, always get it, doesn't always get it right the first time around, but it is the best way. I mean, if not using science is just guesswork, and we know how reliable that is. Yeah, and the, the reality in its complex uh, structure will not be reached. Never. We can always approach it further and further and further, and. Uh, but we have to keep moving and we have to keep doing that. Good times. Good times. Uh, I'd like to thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me today. Thanks, guys. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Really looking forward to meeting you in person very, very soon at the European Skeptics Congress. Yes. Where we will try and put together a new episode as well. <laughs> but uh, until then, goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast.eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Guess who died this week? <laughs> that's so shameful. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the way to start, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not no. that, maybe that's not the way to start. Okay, uh yeah. If <laughs> If, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> yeah. That was a great segue. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Keep it together. Okay, ninety episode ninety one, and that's all we can come up with. <laughs> Jeez, freaking Louise! <laughs> and uh, it's not linked to refugees at all. Uh, it's not leaked. <laughs> it's not leaked it's not linked to refugees at all that's hard to say why can't I say that at all <laughs> <laughs> at all that's not linked to each I can't say that anymore uh, bop, bop, bop. published by um, what <laughs> it's published and then it disappeared again yeah it published and it disappeared